This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, friends, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. First, a big, huge, humongous, giant-sized, very large thank you to all our patrons at Patreon. You guys help make this podcast possible. And if you out there want to add your support, you can visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash right from the deep. We would appreciate it. Special thanks to our September sponsor of the month, Wendy L. MacDonald. She's a writer, a poet, a podcaster, a photographer, and a nature lover. And she's offering a free gift we all can use, 10 Good Habits to Help You Become a Great Listener. And who doesn't need to learn how to listen better? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Wendy. And it is my turn for the wonder this week. And I got to tell you, I was texting with a friend of mine who I haven't texted with in just far too long. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. And... It's just, we were celebrating some cool things that God has done for her throughout her life, just amazing things and sharing these and delighting in them. And it made me think of Romans one twelve. This is exactly what Paul was talking about when he was saying that we mutually encourage each other by our faith. And that to me is a wonder how God planted that in us, how God designed that for us. Here we're we're just texting and delighting in God and what he's done. And we were mutually encouraging each other. So you guys, is there someone you haven't talked to or texted in a while do it. Do it. Mutually encourage each other by your faith. That is a wonder. And now, here's, here's the, the show. show. Welcome, listeners. I am excited that you are here with us in the deep and extra excitement today. Yay for our guest, which Karen will introduce her. Hey, we are welcoming Diane Mills to the podcast today, and we're so excited. Diane has been a part of publishing for so many years, I think almost as long as I have. She's an award-winning, best-selling author many times over and a popular speaker and teacher at conferences. She's a founding board member of the American Christian Fiction Writers. Thank you for that, Diane. She's a former director of the Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference and a member of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association and of the Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, and International Thriller Writers. It's, it's amazing everything that she does. And she shares her passion for helping other writers be successful by teaching writing workshops around the country. Not only that, she has been termed a coffee snob, and she roasts her own coffee beans, y'all. She roasts Yay. her own beans. I am so in awe. She and her husband live in what she says on her website, sunny Houston, Texas, but I think it's fair to call it blazing Houston, Texas, with the way it's been now. <laughs> Diane, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you, Karen and Aaron. It is just wonderful to be with you. I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk about the craft of writing and especially to talk to my friends. 
what more could I ask for? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start right off with what does the deep mean to you, Diane? The deep means to me that the longer I know Jesus, the longer he is in my heart, the more that my power hour with him every morning deepens our relationship, the deeper we go. Mm. And Mm. I love that. We just keep traveling this journey together and he'll say, stop a minute, Diane. I want you to see this. I want you to feel this. I want you to experience this. And I love that. There, uh, There are no words or senses that we can talk about that can compare with what it means to go deeper, to go deep with Jesus. Mm. There's an old hymn that I love called In the Garden. I come to the garden alone, and then he comes and meets you there and walks with you and talks with you. And the joy you feel as you tarry there, and that's that's that continual relationship with Jesus. There's you don't find it any place else, that continual conversation back and forth throughout the day, that continual sense of his actual presence and his guidance. It's, it's astounding when you finally realize as a believer that he is there for every minutia, every second, every millisecond of your life, and he is guiding and directing and loving you. It's a new depth to your understanding of him and your submission to him because you can trust him so wholly. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. And it's also where we grow. Yeah. We experience transformation in those times. We might not recognize it. It's hard to measure your own growth in the moment. But without that continual contact, that power hour, that walking in the garden, we don't have transformation. We don't turn closer to Jesus, turn into that image um, without him shaping us in those times. Right. That's exactly right. And I know, Diane, that, that you've come from a very difficult and painful time in the last several years, and that has probably with the loss of your son that has drawn you even closer and deeper into Christ. And and you've incorporated some of that into your newest book, some of that experience into your fiction. And we talk often with people about how we incorporate our own stories and our own struggles into fiction. So I'd like to hear from you about your journey through that time. It was difficult, but I'd like you to share with our listeners how God met you there and how you got to the place where you could share what happened on that journey in your book. Actually, it was July 2021, and we were on a vacation in Ohio with my brother and sister and their spouses, and my youngest son called my husband, and my husband got off the phone and said, I need to tell you something that um, Brett was, let me take a big deep breath here, uh, was hit uh, by a car, hit and run, and was killed. And the first thing I had to do was thank God for life and for the years that we'd had with him. The second thing was thank you, God, that I'm with my brother and my sister. Yeah. Mm. And that helped tremendously. Once home, I journaled. 
And we always hear the value of journaling, but until you walk through a tragedy, Mm -hmm. it just does not have the impact of what that can mean. So over the next days, I journaled. I journaled, God, why? Uh, Why? Why now? Why him? The way it happened. And I was angry. I was hurt. I cried. I was angry at the whole world. Mm-hmm. And the um, the time came to write the book. And I knew that I needed something in my character's life that was earth shattering. And there it was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. So Facing the Enemy was my healing book. And while it's my healing book, it's still hard to talk about right. uh, those emotions without feeling them and experiencing them all over again. But what I did is I took my heroine, whom I called Risa. Her name means laugh mm. in Spanish. And I had her experience the same thing that happened to our son, but in her personality. Mm. and. Uh, it was horrible writing that scene, but yet it was comforting because I don't want to experience anything and shut it up inside of me if it couldn't help someone else. Right. Some reader may have had a loss and have never been able to deal with it. I wanted that transparency. I wanted to take my pain, what I was feeling, and use it in a story that might help others. And granted, my goal for writing is always to entertain, inspire, and encourage, Mm -hmm. always. Uh, And once I got past that part of, uh, of the tragedy and where my heroine decided to go and what she decided to do with it, I picked up my second great passion, and that is for adoption. Mm. Uh, I have four sons, three are adopted. I say the youngest one's my fault, Uh, (laughs) but uh, Brett was one of the adopted sons. And I used a a bit of an apprehension that I always had as a woman in my late 20s and having a new baby, a new toddler in my life who was calling me mommy. But I also knew that the mother had six months to make a decision whether she might want that child back. And so you live with that. So the two passions, the two things that I can cry very easily about are in facing the enemy. So that's one of the ways that God brought me deeper. And I hesitate to say this because I'm I'm concerned that readers might think, well, she took her son's death and she just used it to write a book. Mm. And, oh, that gives me a gasp in my spirit. And I hope no reader thinks that, that uh, sharing pain is very difficult. But the transparency is where we uh, grow and change and become better people and grow closer to Christ. I remember, and I'm going to say this in one breath, and I might have to stop and get a drink of water here, that at the funeral, my son, the youngest son, gave part of the the message to everyone. And he said, because my Brett struggled with drugs and alcohol, 
struggled very much with that. Mm-hmm. And the addiction was always had more control than what mm-hmm. he was able to do. And so my son said, God said, come home, be free. Yes, yes, one more drink. <laughs> it's fine. Take your time. Oh, I don't know what you've got to cut. But anyway, that, <laughs> that was the one thing I've always been able to remember. And I think that helped in the healing process, not only for me, but for my character in the story. Mm-hmm. Wow. For all of us. I've always said, as I teach at writers conferences, um, nothing in God's economy is wasted. So everything that happens to us, and if God has given us the task of writing um, about him and stories centered on him and his presence in our lives, nothing that happens to us is ever wasted. It's all It all is used by him for his purposes to refine us or to grant us illumination that we can then share with others. My husband and I have struggled for lo these 43 years of our marriage, and yet God has sustained and provided for us and brought us to a place where we're stronger than ever, though we still struggle. And we have such different backgrounds. And when I wrote my book, The Breaking Point, I drew on so much of what we had experienced, not to capitalize on it, but to say, look, this is the reality. This is the reality of walking into a marriage without prayer. This is the reality of bringing two completely diverse backgrounds into the same quarter. This is the reality of when you grow up and leave it to Beaver and your spouse grows up in Nightmare on Elm Street, it's not an easy road. It's very oh. difficult. And coming to a place where where God has brought us that we have submitted to him and to each other, we still have to do that submission every day, mm-hmm. every day. And I know from the reader letters that I received that that book affected people and helped them in their struggles in their marriage. Because as believers, aren't we called to transparency? Aren't we called to share out of our own experiences and not hide our weaknesses, not not try to seem like the perfect Christians to everybody on the outside? Because there's no such thing. There's just a forgiven believer who follows a suffering Savior. And, and we have to be honest. He was honest. He, he shed blood, sweated blood. And that struggle was real, and it was for us. And if we're not willing to then share our own struggles and difficulties, we shouldn't be doing this. Right. No. Right. You know, um, I want to circle back just for a minute to what you said first, Diane, about how you journaled, how you journaled first. And I think that's so important because... There is where you were dealing with the brutal honesty of how you personally felt. You know, you worked through those issues to the best of your ability at that time. You poured out that anger and that hurt and that why and that grief in that journal. And I love that you did that beforehand so that you weren't trying to do that necessarily in the book, when it came to writing the book, you were able to draw on those feelings, right? but you're speaking into that from the other side. So, you know, people are getting the best of both worlds there. So 
I love that you did that. Um, but I'm wondering, obviously, when you had to write those scenes, and especially that one scene, practically, how did you manage that in a practical way? Do you have any like tips for the listeners in how to make yourself write those words on the keyboard? Uh, after a lot of tears, and I could only write a little bit through my journal at a time, I would read what I had written, and then I would close my eyes and tell myself, okay, Risa, how would you walk through this? How mm -hmm. would you handle this? And by doing it through my character's eyes, and I'm an organic writer. Everything comes out of character. Mm -hmm. I'm a panster, and my publisher may not always enjoy that. <laughs> uh, I, I am pretty much a panster, but I am organic. I will have 17 pages of who my character is and a lot of backstory and things of that nature. In fact, one of the questions I asked myself came from Donald Moss writing the breakout novel and taking many of his uh, his workshops, and that is, what is the most painful experience you've ever walked through? Mm. And who was there? What was the dialogue? What were you uh, feeling? And all those kinds of things. And how many times have I given that? But when I had to do it, right, it was incredibly painful. Yeah. And that to me is a testimony not only to how valuable that question is, but to our God. Yes. As you said, nothing is wasted. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Right. For a long time, I thought, you know, if we say why to God, we were showing doubt. And, and I thought that was just wrong. And I've come to understand, having gone through the whole doubt process myself when I was angry. Not not that I ever really doubted God was who he was, but I I was at a point where I was like, well, if this is what it means to serve you, then who needs it? Mm -hmm. um, it's that he's so much bigger mm -hmm. than anything that we can bring to him, any emotion, any anger, any frustration, any despair. He's so much bigger than any of that. And he will meet us exactly where we are in the yes. midst of our pain. Mm. I'm constantly amazed at the care that he shows us, at the provision, even when we are sometimes spitting in his face, he is there wrapping his arms around us and loving us regardless. Mm. I love, um, Diane, that you talked about another passion that you put into that book, because one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is how did you keep grief from inhibiting your imagination for the rest of the story? And I see that right. one of those things was talking about another of your passions, which was adoption. But was there anything else you did to help um, jumpstart or help your creativity flow during those difficult times? understanding that the writing process is for the reader. It's never about the writer, never about me, never. And with that, it was like, okay, God, please stand behind my computer yes. and put your hands on my shoulders so yes. I can do this. But I always went back to 
we were in Israel. My husband and I were in Israel. And we were at the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweated right. blood. Right. And I'm thinking, just like he made a decision in a garden to take back, yank back the decision that Adam and Eve made in a garden, hmm. then I've got to take what he did for me and move forward, that I can encourage somebody in their faith, that I can inspire someone in where they are, but also the process of, of writing a book is also has that entertainment factor that's foremost. Mm -hmm. So it had to be a story that, that provided hope and encouragement and reality. Uh, one aspect of the story, and this is on the back cover copy, so I don't think I'm giving anything away, <laughs> but... Um, Risa is an FBI special agent, and she realized and found out that while her brother saved her and pushed her out of the way for him to be killed in the hit and run, that car was aiming for her. Mm. And she resigned from uh, the FBI simply because she didn't want anyone else hurt. So she went back to her old job, which was a professor at a college, a local college, teaching creative writing. I mean, I, yes, we giggle with that because that's kind of what I was doing. <laughs> right. And uh, I, you know, God has a way of just, hey, Diane, what about this? Or yeah. what about that? Yeah. And uh, that really did help. But, and this is a part that's on the back side of the, on the back cover copy. She has an assignment for her students who are all freshmen, college creative writing and the short story had to be turned in over Christmas and one guy said can I turn mine in early well she couldn't resist and she read it here he told word for word what had happened to her with information that no one else knew and that exploded <laughs> I love this is like a great example of how creativity is about connections. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I love what you're saying that the Holy Spirit is there with you and empowering you and enabling you. And then these connections, this person, oh, hey, how about if she's a, a professor teaching creative writing? And oh, this can happen and that can happen. And these connections are suddenly firing. I love that. Do you have any, um, as we're kind of approaching the end of our time here, do you have any final words of wisdom that you want to leave our listeners with? Yes. Laugh. <laughs> be, be Risa. Laugh. We have to laugh. We have to learn to laugh. We have to reach from within us and laugh and hold on to Jesus. Oh, Amen. my God. Goodness. Amen. And this world can be ugly and nasty, but look where we're going. So let's make an impact while we can. I agree. <laughs> Diane, we're so grateful for you coming and sharing your story and the ways that God has met you in all of this. Um, friends, as you listen, I'm praying for you. If you are facing a difficult time, may the God of all comfort cloak you in his presence and in his peace. And if you are considering incorporating your own struggles into your story, turn to him with it and let him guide you. Let him show you 
the the suffering and the recovery and let him show you the places where you can bring in laughter because even in our darkest moments if we have our focus on him he will delight us and he will give us reasons to laugh in the midst of tears so thank you so much and god bless you and what you're doing oh yes thank you thank you for letting me be a guest i'm honored and thank you for putting up with my few moments of Get your professionalism together, Diane. No, no, no. Uh, long ago, I used to sing with my dad a lot, and the words of the hymns that we sing get to me. And I said, I'm so worried that I'll be singing my verse or doing a solo, and I'll just break down and cry. And he said, Karen, if that happens, then the people who are listening need your tears more than they need your voice. And so, you know, all of it, again, is used in God's economy. Indeed. Thank you, Diane. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. <laughs>